Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. 404-872-0750 is the number, and that's the number Donna from Decatur called, and here she is. Hey, good morning. Good morning. I've, um, I've lived in Atlanta all my life, and this summer I saw something in the yard I have never seen before. It's called Purple Shamrock. Mm-hmm. Have, have you ever heard of it? I have, and it's beautiful, like the Oxalis family of clover and shamrock. It's really pretty. So you saw it out in the landscape? Um, yeah, it was just growing wild in my yard. The beauty of it, just in the sunshine, the color it gets is just absolutely gorgeous. I just couldn't figure out why I'd never heard about it before. Yeah, those deep maroon leaves and trifoliate, you know, it's got three leaves. The three and leaves, so- yeah. It almost looks like a ginkgo in a way. The, it the shape of each leaf sort of is triangular, yeah. and it's just beautiful. It's not your typical shamrock, you know, rounded kind of leaf. And do you know they close at night? That's kind of a fun fact about those. I have seen that because I pulled some up and put them in a pot because I read that they were perennial and and they're actually I think pretty hardy as well. They are. And so I've tried to grow them in a pot. They're very slow growing, but they're coming out. And when I go out and check it every day, they do look like they close up. Yeah, isn't that neat? They yeah they close if they're disturbed or uh, they close at night as well. And did you see them when they were flowering with those kind of light pink flowers? Um, no, I have not seen that. Yeah, it's kind of a white, almost light pink flower that they'll put on. But they, they are really good potted. Um, they are perennial. If they get too, too hot, I don't think they're really happy. Um, but, I mean, a lot of people like them as houseplants, too. You're absolutely right. Oxalis tri- triangularis, if you really want to know the technical name with the three-leaf clover. But, yeah, they're beautiful. I'm glad you brought those up. Do they survive the winter outside, or do they go dormant, or...? Yeah, I think they're they're somewhat cold tolerant for sure. I think they're more apt to survive the cold than really really hot. Okay, and so. do they grow, do they get even more colorful in the sun and bright sun? I don't think so. I think generally they say that deep maroon color. The only thing that's going to change is when they put on flowers, but they do like that full sun at least six or more hours a day of of sun to really do their thing. They'll do well, great. I had them growing in just a mess of weeds. Yeah. So I had, like, all this overgrown weedy stuff. And then I looked down, and there was purple flowers. Oh, my gosh. It just stuck out like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, I'll definitely post a picture of what you're talking about so people know. But, yeah, once you see it, it's really cool, kind of an underrated little plant. Okay, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you, Donna. I love when people call, and, and we talk about plants that are kind of out of the ordinary. I try not to get too caught up in just talking about things that are in my landscape. I mean, I have a ton of different plants and trees and shrubs in my landscape, thank goodness for it having been established prior to my husband and I buying the house 11, 12 years ago. But 
um, yeah, I kind of just start one track minded, only talking about the things I know. But that is really a good one to consider. Very good. Carolyn in Lilburn is calling this morning. Hey, welcome to the show. Thank you. I have a question about some plants I bought. Okay. I haven't put them in the ground. Do I need to bring them inside the garage to protect them from this weekend? It They're, depends. I have some dianthus and some pansies and some violas. Oh, okay. You got all kinds of good stuff. So uh, no, no, and no. You do not need to bring any of those three into the garage because they're all cold tolerant and they're really going to thrive off that colder weather. I'd plant them as soon as you can just so they don't dry out in the flats. Yeah, but no, leave them outside. They're going to be just fine. The pansies and violas, you know, when you plant those in a garden bed or in a pot, well, in a garden bed, you want to maybe eight to 10 inches apart so they can really fill up. Uh, But in a pot, you know, you can space them a little bit closer. And then I think you asked Anne about uh, dianthus as well, right? Yes, I have some dianthus now. I think that's an annual. It, it, it's a perennial, so that means it comes it, it back every year. It is a perennial, so yeah. it doesn't. Yeah, mine. It, the pots are kind of small, so I didn't know if they'd freeze because there's not a lot of dirt around them. Yeah, but, uh, they're not really insulated in the flats and in the pots, no. no. But um, yeah, the dianthus is a perennial, so that's you know put that in a place where you want to keep it because it's going to come back. And this time of year when it starts to look like once the stems die they almost look kind of straw like kind of hollowed out and become like a light brown color but you just kind of cut those and you think oh no it's dying but it but it's not you know pull away the dead stuff and they'll come back for you in the spring and look really really good um and i wanted to ask you too when you talk to ann about those not only those plants but you mentioned thrift and that is a conversation my mom and i had not too long ago i want to see what plant you actually got if you got thrift or if you got flocks what did you buy well, I thought that thrift was a type of flocks. It looks like thrift. To be honest, I'm not sure what the name on the pot says. Okay. So I always called what is flocks, I always called it thrift as well. And a lot of people still do, and that's not wrong. But I guess a way we could keep it straight is the flocks is that light purple color. I think there's a white as well that really grows like as a ground cover. It spreads. Whereas the thrift... Okay, I think that's what I have. Okay, yep, so creeping flocks. And then the thrift, which I have not planted, but what's technically called a thrift is like a a low-growing kind of grassy mound-looking plant. So yes, the flocks, I kind of had a feeling that's what what you might have. And it's the creeping flocks. It's so beautiful. People put it out at the mailboxes and things. It enjoys full sun. That being a perennial as well, too, Carolyn, no need to protect it. You know, you can get it in the ground just as soon as you can. Water everything when you first plant it, you know, to get it established. But even if it does start to die back and look a little weak, you know, it'll come back pretty strong in the spring. Thank you for your answers. I appreciate your program. I've got Dan calling from my hometown of Woodstock, GA. Good morning, Dan. Hey, good morning. So what's going on with your maple trees? Oh, no. Oh, my goodness. I was very disappointed. I took a lot of pictures of them, but I never sent them to you. I just don't want to go through this next season. So I thought I'd just get some advice. Toward the end of the season, everything was looking good. Then I noticed that some of the leaves started curling, and I had spots on the leaves, and and it's like uh, they were being scalded. Mm-hmm. Leaves looked like they were burned. Now, does had... the does the burn mark look maybe the size of like a a cigarette butt or a little smaller? About that size, uh-huh. or a little bit bigger. Several different flowers around the yard had bushes had it. Okay. And I love taking pictures of them. They had the same problem. As you're describing it, that's exactly it. It's it's a leaf spot. 
And depending on what you know plant we're talking about, there's specific leaf spots. But just in general, roses can get them, hedges can get them, maple tree as well. Um, it's always caused by a fungal disease. Fungal spores float throughout the air, so it's very easy to spread to the entire tree. Um, in your case, since it is you know concentrated on maples and you're seeing it on maples, I believe that's probably maple tar spot. And the spots are small and they look like they've gotten splashed. The leaves look like they've gotten splashed with tar. Um, the reason you probably didn't notice it earlier in the spring when they were leafing out and they were full and all of that, because the spots start off as kind of a yellow. And then as the summer goes on and we love or the fungus, we don't love it, but uh, fungal spores love that humid, hot air so they can just continue to spread. So those spots go from being yellow to more of a black with like a fine yellow halo around them. And then it becomes more obvious to us once the spots start turning black at the end of summer. And now that the leaves are falling, you can see it very clearly on all the leaves. So um, my best advice to you, it's not going to be fatal to the tree. And like a a fungicidal spray or any kind of fungicide is probably going to help knock it back next spring for sure. So you'll want to do a preventative application of any kind of fungicide. Dan, it's really, really good to go ahead and remove the fallen leaves from the area because the fungus, it overwinters. The cold weather is not going to kill it. So all that leaf litter beneath the tree, the fungus is just going to kind of hang out. Um, okay. So remove all those leaves. Go ahead and just put them in a refuge, you know, bag or something like that to go out with the trash. Mm-hmm. I have been doing that. Oh, good, good. I mean, that yeah. is number one. Like just best management practices as far as you know, good hygiene and things in in the landscape. I mean, that really goes a long way. To make sure that I'm right, though, when we get off the phone, you know, Google like maple tar spot and see if the spots look okay. that way. But that's certainly I'll what it, it sounds like to me. All right. Oh, good. Well, thanks, Dan. Thank Have a great so weekend. Much. You're so, right. so welcome. Oh, I love that's a that's easy fix. No need to panic. But yeah, just thinking of good, good practices in the landscape. Up next, we've got a minute or so to talk to Debbie in Roswell. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Ashley. Um so my comment, I have a question about overwintering some plants, but my comment about the leaves, I try to leave the leaves away from the house, get them away, blow them away from the house, and four feet beyond the driveway into the pine straw bed because leaves harbor ticks. And I learned that from Walter years ago, mm-hmm. and I didn't think anything about it until the kids and I were walking along the driveway in the middle of the driveway um, to the car, and we had to turn around because we got three ticks among us. Oh, my gosh. And had to come in and get them off. Yes. Wow. I mean, I wouldn't have thought anything about it. But, and we had, we had fewer deer in our yard that, at that point in time, but now I have a family of seven. that I would love to relocate to a new place. <laughs> now, that's not going to happen. <laughs> they go where they want, and they eat what they want. Our yards are... A full-on cafeteria bar for the deer, for sure. But that is definitely something to consider. And I'm sure, Debbie, a lot of uh, pest control companies would would mention much the same as far as termites and, you know, insects that are really going to be bothersome to your home, whether you do have stucco or whether you've got, you know, cedar siding. Keeping those leaves away and the temptation for any bugs to really, you know, even just rotting the the materials that your home is constructed of that is a great idea i will talk to you offline about overwintering a couple of plants you had a question about that it comes up so fast 404-872-0750 we'll be back it's wsv green green and growing ashley frasca's top three things to do this weekend all right actually four 
four today. Number one, maintaining the moisture in your containerized vegetables. Really important this time of year versus those in the ground or in the raised beds. Containerized are going to dry out a lot more quickly. Knowing which ones are heavy feeders too, making sure you're staying on a fertilization regimen. Uh, heavy feeders are like cabbage, Brussels sprouts, broccoli, and cauliflower. Number two, the National Audubon Society boasts a great list of important foods birds need as the weather gets colder. Some to keep on hand are suet, black oil sunflower seeds, bluebirds are loving mealworms right now, and peanuts. You can check out the whole list on my Facebook page, Green and Growing WSV. And number three, keeping leaves out of the base of your flowering shrubs, hydrangeas, perennials. You can see a video of this on my Facebook page. The buildup of leaves and the moisture at the plant's crown can just lead to rot and disease. And always remember to use gloves when removing leaf debris. And along with number four as a bonus is Christy Bryant. Keep your leaves. Quit bagging them up and sending them away. It is the absolutely most correct fertilizer that you can ever apply to your trees. It's a layer of insulation against your plant roots from freezing out. It's a great insulation layer to keep the moisture there in the summertime when it's hot. Um, Remember, trees are the coolers of the earth, so we need to conserve their moisture as much as possible. Leaves do all of this. We need to imitate the forest wherever possible. Now, the forest leaves get mulched up because the critters are running through and they're breaking up the leaves. Then maybe not be happening in your backyard, so you can just simply blow the leaves out from under your tree, run it over with a lawnmower, and toss them back in the beds. Also, use leaves to cover bare dirt. Bare dirt erodes and compacts, and compaction is the least favorite thing in the world for a tree. So if we have a nice leaf layer, we don't have erosion, therefore we don't have compaction, therefore we have happy happy trees. Hippie trees. Hippie or happy, whatever you want to call it. We got you, Christy. Well, continuing my outdoor expert series, this is week one of three. Coming up, another expert, Trent Ellis, who is owner of Armor Wildlife Management. We're going to be covering all things deer and your landscape. And yes, he's coming along with some solutions too. Just this time to remind you, today is the 24th annual tree climbing competition in Winterville, Georgia, near Athens. I was supposed to join that group of Georgia Arborist Association this evening, and I regret I'm not going to be able to do so, but you can join the fun all day, a free day of fun. There's a lot of things for the kids. There's the championships, of course, which you can watch, maybe even climb a tree yourself and enjoy the Marigold Market with hot food, produce, baked goods, and crafts. You can find out all about it at georgiaarborist.org. And you'll definitely want to follow my next guest on Facebook as well. Just search Armor Wildlife Management, and I will be right back. Stay tuned. You're listening to Green and Growing. Good Saturday morning here on 95.5 WSB. with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries on 95.5 WSB. And a good Saturday morning halfway through the show. 7.36 on your Saturday morning. It's about 36 degrees in midtown Atlanta, maybe even a little chillier than that. So ready to do the show with you, DeMarco. I hope everything's going okay. Awesome. I am uh, <laughs> 
Awesome. Good, because I'm broadcasting from home and things started sounding a little bit wonky. So, um, hey, we're still doing a show. DeMarco's there holding everything together. I've got a special guest on the phone, and you've heard me talk about this outdoor expert series that I've put together because I am taking some time off uh, over the holidays. So three weeks of hearing from all kinds of experts. I traveled around the state over the last month, month and a half, to bring you a lot of information from these folks. So today we're going to be talking about controlling deer in the landscape. That is a very hot topic for a lot of you. So we'll get to that in just a minute. We're going to have uh, holiday or pruning tips rather with Bruce Holiday and Rick Smith in the next couple of weeks. Chuck Lavelle, you may recognize his name from the Allman Brothers Band of the Rolling Stones uh, more recently. He's going to be sharing info about pine trees and their greatest enemies. And Tom Cox bringing him back on the show, the owner of Cox Arboretum, to share care for ginkgos and conifers. And Bodhi Panisi from the University of Georgia, the horticulture uh, department there, holiday plants. What common ones are, good gift ideas, how to care for them. And then I traveled up to Johns Creek not too long ago and was introduced to one of the best golf course superintendents there is, Mark Hoban over at Rivermont Golf Club. And we're going to be talking about the plantings there, sustainability, and some really cool ideas that you can incorporate into your landscape. And Seth Hawkins, who we heard from throughout the entire month of October with the Georgia Forestry Commission about properly planting trees. So right now, talking about deer, this is where my traffic world and green and growing kind of collide a little bit. The Department of Natural Resources put out something recently. You know, there's two main reasons why drivers see more deer along the roads this time of year. Number one, it's mating season, and that occurs between October and late December, depending on where you are. Uh, Male deer go into rut, and they begin actively searching for mates. So that behavior results in an increase of deer movement, bringing them across the roadways, kind of sporadic movement there. And the time change, too. That's the second one, as we begin to fall back for daylight savings time. Uh, rush hour for most commuters tends to fall during the same hours where the white-tailed deer are most active at dawn and dusk. So if a deer is standing calmly on the side of the road, it may bolt into traffic, which I've had that happen twice. Uh, One deer usually means there are more that you may not see. Resist the urge to swerve your car. I know that's a tough one. That's just a knee-jerk reaction that could cause further damage to you. Oncoming drivers, you've got to be careful. So with it being mating season, I thought it only appropriate to bring Trent Ellis on. He is the owner of Armor Wildlife Management in the Atlanta area and he's back on the show, I believe, in July. So welcome back, Trent. How are you? I'm good. It's uh, cold up here in Jasper. Yeah, I just asked DeMarco for a, a temperature check there in Midtown, and I was not expecting 33 or whatever degrees. I thought it was a little warmer, but it's chilly this morning, so thanks for getting up early. Of course. Glad to be here. Now, you've got some great info, and this is just something people pull their hair out about, for sure. Um, and I told you, if we were to take calls, I'm sure we would get calls on every specific plant. You know, they're eating, like yesterday, my mom was like, oh, cool, you're having a guy on about deer. They eat my mom's. Well, people are going to say they eat hostas. They eat everything. Um, So, Mm -hmm. you know, as the garden show host, I'm going to recommend if they just really drive you crazy, think about other alternatives, right? Think about plants that they're not necessarily attracted to. And we could get into a long list of that, whether it's textured, things that are scented, that kind of thing. But you have a, a different method of kind of working with homeowners and really going through their landscape with them and, and scoping things out. Yes. Just to kind of reiterate what we talked about mainly in July is we've got, we do special programs for each landscape that we uh, manage and we really 
work with the homeowner on maintaining as least as, as little amount of browsing as possible on their landscape. Um, it includes your flowers, your ornamental shrubs, your trees, um, any kind of evergreens, um, and have just seen some phenomenal success with those kind of programs. Later on, I think we're going to talk a little more about the uh, the stuff that we're going to be going into this month with the uh, with the repellents that we're using. Yeah, repellents are a seasonal thing for your business, and most people may not realize that. Is it because of the dietary needs that the deer are after, or is it just what is conducive to the weather at the at that time? So the repellents uh, change throughout the seasons because the deer kind of change throughout the seasons. Um, our summer mixture is designed to not only deter them by taste, but also deter them by smell. And so both of those ingredients together um, allow those plants to grow and not necessarily have to have 100% product on them because of the smell. It, it keeps them off while they're growing. Now, when we get into November, when we go into the, the colder months, your plants aren't growing, so we just need to sustain what we have. And so we go to a winter mixture that coats the plants with a nice, uh, thick taste deterrent and allows them to not be bothered throughout the cold months. And um, that, that, that does last uh, roughly four months in the southeast. Wow. Rain and snow and everything. Yep. Rain, snow, um, hurricanes. We have tested everything and, and just seen some phenomenal success with both repellents. Now, a lot of what Trent's going to be talking about today, um, you can follow him on Facebook. You can go to his website. Both are consistently branded. Thank you, Trent, for doing that. People's website is sometimes different than their Facebook, but it's armorwildlifemanagement.com. It's the website, and that's how you find him on Facebook as well. Um, I'm going to kind of introduce you via an email that I recently received from some listeners, Trent, um, Julie and Jeff Martin. They've been listening to the show for years, and now they just happen to be customers of, of yours. But Julie wrote, I've communicated with you, Ashley, on gardening challenges, and I want to share a success with you. We've had deer damage in the landscape over the years. We've used a lot of over-the-counter repellents, right? Folks may even be familiar with doing this themselves if they're sprinkling black pepper, cayenne pepper, garlic, onion, coyote urine, all these kinds of things. Mm -hmm. um, and she found a product via an internet search that was perfect, but it's not available for retail sale. And in continuing her uh, research, found that you have the product. So she contacted you, didn't know you'd been on the show. So that was once we had already had you on. Uh, and she is very complimentary of you, Trent. She said you're very thorough and detail-oriented, sharing your knowledge about deer habits, which I would love to find out a little bit. We'll talk about that. Um, and you included them in creating a specific plan for their yard. So that partnership with the homeowner, talk about how important that is to you that makes the repellents more successful. Julie and Je uh, Jeff are phenomenal. Um, they've just been just wonderful clients. That is the kind of relationship we like to have with all of ours. And so, you know, there's not a, a special magic potion out there that is going to keep them off all the time forever just because I spray. And so we really rely on the homeowners to, to help us get through those months, different times throughout the years where the pressure is a little heavier due to certain things. Um, you know, one of the big ones in the spring is the birthing season for the does. So right. the does 
before they go bed down to give birth, they really have to stock up on food. And so they hit the they hit landscapes, they hit anywhere they're eating a lot heavier because they're trying to stock up because they know they're not going to be able to eat for two, three, five days at a time um, until they're done giving birth. And then you have a little bit of a lull and there's not as much activity. There's not as much browsing. But then once those fawns get up and moving and they stop nursing, you know, they're looking to the moms to see what they eat. So they just go around nibbling everything that they can see that looks like it could be edible. <laughs> And, and so we really rely on the homeowners to, to always be in contact, to always let us know, you know, hey, they were a little heavier in this side of the yard this last week, you know, and, um, you know, we've got different things that we can do in between treatments to kind of deter that a little more than just, you know, a monthly application. So that's interesting. Seasonally, you're absolutely right, giving birth to the fawns in the springtime, um, I was noticing some of the bucks in maybe early summer as they start to grow their antlers, you know, and you could see them in the woods and trying to run around and things like that. And now that a lot of the bucks have their antlers, however many points as large as their antlers are, folks will notice this time of year damage to trees sometimes, the sides of their tree trunks, um, soft woods, more you know, small trees that have a smaller caliper or a smaller uh, trunk diameter. So what is causing that when they're doing damage to the trees? Yes. So, you know, deer are pretty amazing creatures. And, you know, just as much as they do in the spring, they do in the fall. And getting into this, into their mating season. So you've got two reasons, main reasons why they would rub on trees. And, um, and one is whenever they get rid of their velvet, they're trying to get all that off so they can so the uh, bone can get a little air and start to harden. And so they rub that on your shrubs, on your, on your, on your trunks. And then also when they get into pre-rut and, and start to look out for those does, they will, they'll start walking these same kind of paths. And so those rubs allow them to know where their paths are going. And it also allows the does to know what maturity level the bucks are in that area. That's crazy that they can tell just from that scent how mature they are. Yes. The main types of communication between deer to deer, doe to female and everything like that are smells and sounds. And so, you know, smell is a big one. They've got upwards of eight different glands on a, on a mature buck that they can actually, you know, disperse some kind of scent and, and tell something uh, along with the does. I mean, they are just... They're hypersensitive to a lot of different things. And, you know, when, when those bucks are, are, you know, damaging those trunks, they don't see it as damage. They see it as, hey, I'm, you know, this is where I'm going to be for a little bit. So I want to make sure I can uh, find, my, find my way back. No, definitely not not in their minds, but uh, I just planted a tree recently and figured I'd put a tomato cage around it while it's still small. Why even take a chance? You know, and you mentioned that uh, flexible black kind of... Uh, piping that can come from a downspout, you could cut a slit down that and put it around a trunk too to temporarily protect one. Yes. So a lot of our clients will have like Japanese maples or they'll have uh, some smaller um, decorative like dogwoods and stuff like that. And they will uh, put corrugated uh, French drain plastics. They'll, they'll, they'll wrap them around those trunks for a few months uh, as the ruts are starting to do all this. And it just really it protects the trunk from any kind of potential damage that they can cause. Because I have seen them rub so hard, so much, 
that it can literally cut a tree in half or, or pretty much oh. break it. Um, oh my gosh. And so you don't so want to you don't want to drop uh, some money on a Japanese maple and then one season in and it and it's almost in half. That's right. No, that's a great idea for folks. So uh, if you know that you're in the path of some deer traveling through the neighborhood, it'd be wise to do that. Well, Trent, we're going to step out and take a break and be back with um, how the repellents work, how how you apply them in a homeowner's landscape and how they work. So stick around. And then at 830, Pike Nursery is coming up with some tips on buying your Christmas tree. Yes, it's that time. So stay tuned. You're listening to 95.5 WSB. All right, and we're back on Green and Growing with Trent Ellis, who is the owner of Armor Wildlife Management. And Trent, we've just got about a minute, minute and a half here. Uh, I wanted to ask you about some of the other things that in rut, male deer when they're in rut, the other things that they can damage aside from trees. Yes, so some things that um, <clears throat> homeowners want to keep an eye out for is when the bucks start to chase the does in these neighborhood areas, um, you really don't notice it more in the wild and uh, more rural areas, but really in these these heavy damaged and browsed on neighborhoods. Um, watch out for them because when they start chasing, they don't pay attention to anything around them. And so, um, you know, they will go straight through some um, establishing hydrangeas um, and break off a lot of those branches during this time when their their leaves are falling off. Um, they'll run straight through flower bed netting and flower beds and, and just cause all kinds of havoc. So just, you know, some things that you can do to kind of keep that from being a big issue is, um, you know, with your hydrangeas really just kind of for this time of year, you can, you can stake it around, uh, four corners around some of the plants and, um, put a little bit of like bungee cord or just some rope and, um, yeah, so they kind of see that at the corner of their eyes, um, and so they steer clear of, of main obstacles, um, you know, like fence, low fences, you know, stuff like that. Um, but putting, you know, some rope around there, you know, maybe some fluorescent something, um, just may be enough to keep them from um, stepping straight on it and breaking a whole bunch of branches. Well, Trent, I know you've seen a lot of landscape, so you may have some more hacks and some more tips for us. So stay right there, and we're going to get into the repellents that you offer and the repellents you apply, how they work in a homeowner's landscape. When we return, right after the news, you're listening to 95.5 WSB. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only, not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. 